So I don't want to take too much time on this because I've been gone for a very long time, unpacking a lot of shit that happened over the month of May. Just give it the short form on this one. I suffered a lot of tragedies during that month that hopefully that explains why I've been off the grid for so long. Um, like a lot of my family died, grandfather, great grandmother, the anniversary of my mom's death, um, the f my wedding anniversary when I was married, and now it's now coincided with the official day of divorce, and then there's the anniversary of my mother's death, uh, lots of exits uh, in that time, uh, the anniversary of my exit from the military, there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes on to that month, to include things like Mother's Day, um, my mother's birthday, um, a lot of my other family members' birthdays, so I've been AWOL, um, not gonna lie about that, but I want to flip it, because tragedy happens, and if anybody heard to Double-Edged Sword, the last track features the line, the setback's never greater than the comeback. So I wanted to take this time to show a little bit of appreciation using the rosebud thorn exercise I learned while I was in band camp. It's basically a grounding exercise that expresses gratitude, so I want to try it out uh, for the open. Um, so a rose is generally something that went well. Um, so for me, personally, um, I was able to attend not only my bachelor degree uh, ceremony, but I also was uh, voluntold but really enjoyed going to some of my students' graduation ceremony for their high school diplomas. So that was pretty awesome. Um, a thorn that I have, um, Pangea is dead. Um, if you've been, if you've heard me mention Pangea in the past, it's just one of those massive friend groups, and you know, you know, as time goes, you find out who's full of shit and you know who are the real ones, for lack of a better term. So unfortunately, could have gone better. Thorn's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just something that you wish would have went a little better. And again, I'm trying to compress like five, six weeks of my absence, just trying to give you guys what you what was thinking about during that time. But a bud that I've, a couple of buds, um, some things that can potentially grow to something beautiful in the future is that um, households holding it down, um, got the pole ground broken, and a lot of my family at, back in Maryland, they're doing really big things. Um, so a lot of my friends are on the up and up. Not to mention that my birthday, even though I poo-pooed most of May for that, but my birthday was awesome. I combined it with my friend and all we ended up doing was going uh, mini golf and karaoke, which was one of the two major things that I wanted to do. The next day was her birthday and we just kicked it at the beach. And I think the another day we hung out and watched Hamilton, like no complaints here. Like it was an awesome patch of time. So even though historically, the month of May has been very, very shitty to me. I also take myself out of my little uh, void because you can get real, real captivated by the darkness. Trust me, I know. But I had to make it a concerted effort to make sure I didn't pull myself too far into there and understand that once you're done playing around in the attic, you got to put that trauma away and put it back where it belongs because you can't operate like that. A lot of things are going well. Um, one, I'm recording. Journaling is what guys do instead of go to therapy. So it feels really good to be back at this. And I have a lot of good stuff that I want to talk about. And as general, it's something critical. So I hope everybody keeps that in mind that where I'm coming from is at a point of just straight up ignorance. I like to think I know a thing or two about this, that, and the third. So hope you enjoyed it. Sorry about the delay. Um, again, with summer break here, another thing to be proud, uh, thankful for. I've got more time to record, so I hope to produce more consistent content, but time will tell. Life be like that sometimes. This is the ZFG Podcast.
refocused and refired. This is the man Dash, and this is the CFG podcast. Again, the intro explained the delay, so I won't apologize for that any further. But here we are again, enjoying the first couple weeks of summer break for those of you who have like a summer break, and it feels awesome. Gets a lot of time to focus, clarity, and everything like that. I say that knowing that I've just attended a seminar for my state, um, paid seminar for my state, just to brush up a couple tools. So the teaching gig never stops, honestly. It's just a time to, you know, recollect your thoughts, you know, breathe, for lack of a better term, and then just hit it up again in the fall. But I'm enjoying it. Again, it's not work if you enjoy what you do. So I'm very excited for that. Um, I've got a couple other things that I'm really interested. I'll get to the end of the podcast and mention a new project that I'm trying to work on. But yeah, all's good in the hood. Um, one shitty thing is that like you only get paid once a month the way our contracts work, but it's what it's. Um, no complaints because, again, I didn't do this to make a mint. I did this to make a difference. So with the projects coming up on board, No Further Questions is another project that I want to get into. But before I get into all that, we got to recap some of the shit that happened over the past couple of weeks. Um, something that I take a lot of pride in is being able to speak intelligently on something that I may not have, like, databases or anything like that. I don't need to pull so many articles for some of these things. Most of the time I do, like diplomas or motivation or something like that. I like to pull data and reports and everything like that. This one, I feel like I don't have to do so much digging for because this is something that I've experienced. And it's on policing. And I'm going to be hypercritical about it, but it's because it's important. So I will know that, I hope it's known that What I'm referring to isn't all cops across the board. Like, some of them are shit, but you can say that in any profession. So what I'm taking at is just a critical deep dive and how we can maybe retool it. Maybe not necessarily defund or whatever the hell that shit's all about. I'm thinking about, is there something about the structure of the police force itself that lends it to more common sense approaches so you have more qualified and, you know, capable officers so they're not sending out some rook to some major event? You'll find that... We might not want that to be the reality in this country. So just taking a look at it about that way, I'm going to have a lot of examples of some good, the bad, and some horrifying. But hopefully you walk away knowing that, again, I backed the blue. I did it for nine and a half years in the military. So I'm all about that. But it's okay to be a little critical on it. So without me spoiling too much of the front end, uh, on the front end, I just want to get into it. And hopefully you can come away knowing that There's always a better way of doing business. So I want to apologize for something that I actually had thought about um, for an unhealthy amount of time. And it was back in a couple years ago. It was my opinion that people who haven't worked in law enforcement could not criticize law enforcement. And off the rip, I'm going to just let you know that was a shit take. But thin blue line is a hell of a drug and i honestly believe that i didn't share it i didn't broadcast it or anything like that but i thought because people didn't operate in that field they couldn't critique how we do business and it was just a disaster of a take it was disgusting and i feel really shitty about it um it was when i was just exiting the military after serving nine and a half years military law enforcement and having to justify you know a lot of the actions that would happen um i was just drinking the Kool-Aid at the time. And it took a while for me to realize that just because someone hasn't operated in that field doesn't mean that they are above reproach. And I had that feeling. And it started to hit hit more soundly 
on me as you know the events like the George Floyd trial George Floyd trial happened um and this is not to say that that was the launch pad of me having this revolutionary idea it's just it it then started to become more apparent that cops fuck up and just because they have qualified immunity doesn't mean they're immune to criticism cuz after that you had people like Vicky and Casey White, the Alabama Bonnie and Clyde that took a trip up north to Indiana from Alabama on a prisoner escort. Um, Casey, uh, sorry, Vicky White uh, allegedly killed herself. Um, I don't have the report, but she has succumbed to her wound. Her, she had succumbed to her injuries from a self-inflicted gunshot wound is what it read to me. So there's that. Um, and then you have the Florida man, the cop who was chasing somebody on a motorcycle and uh, they got to a gas station, fell over, and while the gas was running out of the motorcycle, the cop decides to tase this individual. This man would then suffer second and third degree burns. Hell, some of the cops that were involved in the tussle also got burned. So there was that one. There's the Uvalde disaster. We'll get to that. But I want to speak definitely on this incident that happened in Kansas City where a pregnant lady got shot. Um, I believe she's alive or in critical condition, but she was... Uh, pulled over by Kansas City Police in Missouri and she was instructed to do something that she could not perform and she got shot by that um, for that and it started to dawn on me that above all else like again to err is human and we're not trying to take away their humanity in any of these situations again people are the worst type of people but if you're in the law enforcement realm can we ask for a raised standard from the people who are positioned to keep us away from the bad guys with guns and I believe that's a fair question. In that question, um, a lot of that information is popped up on this website, uh, trainingreform.org, where I just started looking into exactly what are the standards as they currently sit with uh, our nation's law enforcement. And it is frightening, to say the least. There are 37 states, so 74% of them do not have a standard of you know working before you actually operate the road 37 to 50 states allow police to work before attending any basic training and in that united states average you have a per capita of citizens killed by police is 3.91 per 1 million and police are killed at a clip of 1.41 per 100,000. so it is i don't want to say shocking but it's disappointing to figure out that more than half of the nation's states do not have any mandatory training for any of their law enforcement personnel. That's not to say that they're just untrained and completely unaware. I'm pretty sure they have background checks and shit like that. But there's no standard for that. So uh, some states that stick out most notably, Hawaii has absolutely no required training for their police officers. And I'm trying to figure that, okay, I get that Hawaii is more of a touristy type of uh, state. But you still have to maintain order in that state because there's residents there in you don't get to be, you're not exempt to having a standard for protecting your citizens. It's just simple as that. Uh, the state of Mississippi, they can work 24 months before receiving basic training. Um, and Mississippi is also a very puzzling state as far as their per capita death ratio. Um, they uh, have citizens killed by police are 4.01 per capita. Police killed are at 3.27 per capita and rising so that's not great um they have zero field training hours and they usually have in-service training their yearly in-service training is about a day 24-hour period so it's just bizarre that they could have so many uncertified people operate these positions 
and let's see like i don't want to say they break even with their civilian versus police killings but still that's shit honestly so it's identified that there is no standardization and i get that you know the federal government and there's a whole bunch of problems with just the justice system in general but there needs to be some type of standardization because federally it has proven to work there was a plane flight from uh, Heathrow Airport, um, a Virgin Atlantic flight, that found out that one of their pilots was not fully qualified to fly. And when they discovered that, it was mid-flight, and they had hundreds of people on board, and they decided to reverse course and just buck a U-turn back to the airport where they originated from. Now, this is based on the Federal Aviation Authority, all right? Like they realized that some there was a discrepancy in one of the pilot's training records. There was a certified pilot on board, but there was one who was not fully qualified. And they decided to just turn the bitch around, get that corrected, and keep it moving from there. They suffered the people who suffered. The only thing the people suffered on that aircraft was a two-hour and forty-minute delay, and they just wanted to make sure that it was right before they had anything poorly happen. And if the Federal Aviation Authority can correct an error mid-flight, there ain't no reason that there could be some type of standardization for law enforcement officers. They're in charge of protecting thousands of people. There may be a couple hundred on this plane, and they saw a discrepancy in training, and they corrected it. Like, they went back, got it all figured out, and everything was good to go. So let's not pretend like there are not systems that we could put in place that make sure that if there is something that where there's a deficiency of training or no training at all, that something could be done to correct it before shit gets bad. All right. That's the whole point of this is not to prevent bad shit from happening, but it makes it less likely that it can happen. If everybody is at least on the same training level, put it this way. If you had a cook or a line cook at one of your favorite restaurants, but you find out that at that particular restaurant, that cook, poisons one out of every thousand of patrons wouldn't there be a little bit of an outcry like sure you may not always interact with that restaurant but if there was this known deficiency with this one cook every time someone would go someone's going to get food poisoning out of the hundreds of thousands of people that attend you're talking about maybe a couple a handful 10 to 100 people succumbing to food poisoning there would be an issue because there's regulations that protect that to happen the basic requirements of law enforcement ain't shit, and there's got to be something that we can do with that. And I happen to have a lot of creative ways to effectively address this lack of standardization with our police departments. So for this first one, um, it's centered in Texas because Texas be doing the most, especially when it comes to, you know, shitty public safety and law enforcement shit especially past couple of weeks. So a convicted murderer escaped Texas corrections of, uh, officials and he was on the run for like 21 days. I think he escaped on the 13th and they didn't find him until like a week ago. They found him and he was gunned down after an interaction with the cops. Now, when originally this thing came out, I was like, wow, they, they really dropped the ball on this one. But then I started looking deeper into it. This was uh, the Gonzalo Lopez individual who was escaping uh, Texas officials in, I want to say, Huntington, Texas, somewhere south near the border. Um, he was on the run for three weeks. And when I really thought, when I originally put this one together, I thought it was going to be one of those like, hey, everybody just, hopefully no one gets injured while this guy is on the rampage. Centerville, Centerville, Texas. Um, 
he unfortunately he took the lives of five people one adult four children and it's just one of those things that um unfortunately happen when you have shitty police work and again i'm i understand corrections and law enforcement they're two sides of the same coin unfortunately um i know that there is a difference because even when i was in like we had law enforcement and then we had a corrections division a lot of different rules that are associated with it but the reason why i wanted to talk about it initially was when he originally got out the official spokesperson for the texas correction uh, the texas department of corrections was like quote he's crafty and i'm it's like that's not the move like you can't, you really can't make that statement make that be your official statement that he got you know out of your custody allegedly apparently excuse me apparently he like was shackled up in like a cage in the back of the bus he was able to free himself from his restraints then get out of the cage attack the driver like i think he stabbed him in the hand or something like that and took control of the bus and apparently this bus obviously had a convoy with him. Some people saw the bus getting a little squirrely. They shot at the tires and mobilized the bus, which I got to say is really, really um, impressive considering that that's mostly some Hollywood shit where you shoot at the tires and like no one, you know, who doesn't get hurt or killed, you know, like it normally isn't like something completely awful, but it just ran. It, it looked like the scene out of the A-Team where they try to get a, a Rampage Jackson's character out of the uh, bus transport but yeah he stops the bus exits the bus and he's on the run in this massive area for like three weeks killing five people but back to the original statement by the uh texas police is like he's crafty you can't have the same bewilderment of a 10 year old doing something that you have when you lose custody of a convicted murderer because that just shows a degree of callous that isn't really afforded to you when you're charged with taking care of people. Even in corrections, you have to take care of the prisoners. When I used to do prisoner escorts, like they weren't murderers or anything to that degree, mostly child molesters or some, something like that while I was in the military. But even with those level of security, they met the threshold to need armed escort. You keep your eyes on them at all times. Make sure they don't get squirrely at all. And I promise this isn't a critique. Good job by getting him, I guess, killing him uh, after his escape because apparently he killed five other people. But the thing to take away from all this is that this wasn't the first time he's ever escaped custody. Like in their initial statement, like, yeah, he's done this before. And with that level of lack of awareness, then you have to understand, you have to consider that there needs to be an overhaul with that when you have someone a convicted murderer who escapes your custody twice. This time he's found to be, he's, you find him and kill him after he's already killed five people. At what point is that not acceptable? Like that's not an acceptable response because at the other end of his rampage, there's five families that are devastated. All right. So let's keep that in mind. The next time we call for these reforms, I'm not saying that they're all not warranted at this point. Like this is the second incident in Texas. And we'll talk about the other one later, but like, this shit needs to have some type of stopping point. If your spokesperson is going to be that crass and very uh, blasé about it, then you deserve at least a little bit more scrutiny than what you have received in the past. So in the IT world, there's something called a soft reset. That's what happens when shit is just not working. The systems on your computer or your phone or whatever device you have, they're just malfunctioning for whatever reason. Um, sometimes you have to literally unplug the power source for about 10 seconds and then maybe it'll work out that way or you have to do a control alt delete or whatever the case may be 
And that's what policing needs. I'm not suggesting we go scorch, scorch earth and just figure it out from there. I believe that the systems were intended to work. There are a lot of systems that should work. And the humans kind of way, have a way of fucking it up. But I'm not suggesting that every police department is a fuck up. I don't know. I can't speak to how every police department is. Same thing. I can't speak to how every security forces unit did. All right. I was able to serve in a law enforcement capacity, then security operations. I don't know anything about uh, like the MWDs or the CADM departments, combat arms training and maintenance. Like, and I don't know about the civilian equivalent. So I'm not suggesting all of this will fix all the policing problems. I can speak from experience that some of the things that we did in law enforcement worked and some of the things that we didn't. And I'm going to go over all of them because at this point, there's just been too many failures in a major way that is permissible. Like, again, to my anecdote about the pilot, you can't fuck this up so many times without taking a hard look at how you're operating and maybe tweaking some things. So what I'm suggesting is a dynamic shift, but a soft reset. And just figuring out exactly how we can do this a little bit better. All right. Now, when I was looking up most of this material, I was trying to find out how exactly some of my local law enforcement agencies are constructed. And on face value, it looks pretty simple. It looks familiar to me. All right. You have certain units. You have your canine detachments. You have your investigations detachments. You have your shift work, your straight legs, as it were, the actual beat cops. Excuse me. And they're shifted up into days and nights, and they have two day shifts, two night shifts. They switch, uh, what I read, they switch every Sunday, I believe. Yeah, they go from Sunday to Wednesday, Wednesday to Saturday, or the following Sunday. So it looks familiar in that range. All right. So that's helpful, but it doesn't really give me any more context. And I understand. I'm not an idiot to suggest that they would tell us everybody who's operating under there because there's laws protecting, you know, law enforcement from public access. So obviously I'm not trying to get that, but I'm trying to figure out how the patrolmen or the sheriff's deputies and all that, how do they come to the positions that they have that I couldn't find. And that I believe is a problem. All right. Let me say this immediately. I'm not suggesting that civilian police gets militarized. That happened and it did not work. I'm not suggesting that we make our police more militant. I'm suggesting that there are things that we did at my particular location in the military that would go to be a little bit more helpful. In the same breath, I'm, gonna have to, I'm not going to consider the military gets everything right. Face value, the constructs and everything that when <laughs> applied properly... Yes, sometimes it does make sense. The military in this instance has a very practical operational structure and progression that could work well in the civilian sector. All right. So I say all this to say that what I'm more focused on in this soft reset is just the duties of junior police officers and how they come to rise throughout the ranks. And what I'm saying in particular with security forces, they did a really good job of making it understandable and i've been removed for about three years now and it still kind of makes sense i don't know if civilian sectors are actually using this if they have some type of way to navigate the structure of their duty experience find out who does what but if they don't this is a suggestion it will probably not work because again trying to make the military the police and no one likes to hear that so i want to make sure that this is known to be a fluid flame framework and not etched in stone because they're going to be anomalies to this. I'm going to mention a couple of those as I work my way through. 
again, this is mostly straight leg centric. I'm not ignoring like the other shreds or the other attachments and detachments. It's just I'm going to operate from what I experienced because uh, I made it from the junior patrolman all the way up to flight sergeant. And it was it's what I know. All right. And I know some of the things that we, that we did that worked. And I know some of the stuff that did not. All right. So we're just going to get right into it. So with the Air Force, military, police, security forces, they progress through duty positions. When you enter, you have what you are considered an entry controller, gate guard. All right. That's where you basically set up shop and you're at a static post. Now, here's the thing that's probably not going to jive with most civilian law enforcement. That means you need to be stationary at one location. But there are opportunities to do that, especially when you consider the current state of affairs. Before you get the privilege and the duty to have a mobile patrol, you must be able to secure your little plot of land. Own what's yours. All right, you have gates or golfs or whatever type of jargon you want to use in the military. We have certain critical infrastructure locations in a you know, a municipality, i.e. your schools. You have tons of places like that where you have to make interactions with people on a daily basis. And this isn't to say that you're looking for anything bad to happen, but you're establishing some sort of presence that can build a rapport. All right. I believe that anybody who is just getting into law enforcement, whether it's military or civilian, you need to show that you can own your little slice of pie before we send you out into the masses. All right. And a way that you can do that is on major roadways. Like if you have a little strip of the highway, make sure you own that. It's not necessarily a static post because you would have a vehicle. I'm not suggesting someone just stand out there and own the road. That's highly unlikely. But make that a focal point. Instead of just being like all around just a Mulberry police music queuing on and queuing on, excuse me, queuing on. And then you're just over here causing shenanigans. We really don't know what the fuck you're doing. All right. So have a small area of responsibility. Own that. Get proficient at it. And then you make yourself yourself up to what would be a more security unit. Now, a security unit usually in the military, we basically focused on guns, drugs, and funds. All right. You have your banks, like any armories, and your pharmacies. All right. So you can easily make that happen inside of a township or something like that. Try to make a pleasant, calm, helpful, positive presence at, say, a bank or a hospital. And I get that there's private security for most of these things, but private security isn't going to stop a domestic violence situation. So even though they have security there, that does not mean that you do not make yourself less present because these are the people that you're going to have to serve on maybe their worst day. All right. So showing yourself to be more than just someone who's there on the bad day and being humble enough to basically you know, have a little bit of a walking patrol. We called them basically a presence patrol at either a static post or you would have it at like a facility or something like that. And I get there's laws that would generate like you can't take guns into unless you're on performing official business. There were certain things that you weren't allowed to do in the military. Like when we would do a presence patrol at the hospital, there would be some things that unless we were on official business, we couldn't carry firearms to turn in certain parts of that facility because they're dealing with medical stuff. And lead and medical stuff doesn't jive all the time. So there be some caveats, but you get a handful of interactions with people at critical points within the community, and you're seen as less of a threat and more of a presence of just positivity and someone who can be asked for assistance instead of trying to find the bad guy. You're just making sure that you're a deterrence and not just a responding force. After you get a little bit of, you know, static and maybe some more security elements down like you get the basics because in these interactions you actually 
engage with people. Like, I don't know how many people, I, I really am curious to find out how many people who work in law enforcement actually interact with people unless they're pulling them over for a citation or if they're like responding to a domestic or a loud noise complaint or something like that. I, I'm very curious to figure out how many non-law enforcement interactions do law enforcement people, law enforcement personnel actually engage in. But these two stepping stones give you that baseline to know how to talk to people. Once you've secured that, once you've established, you know, you know how to talk to people, you know how to engage, you don't have to see everybody on their worst day. Because at a school, you would like to think that bad days are less prevalent than good days and you could just establish rapport. I work at a school where our school resource officer does an amazing job establishing a rapport. All right. It's not necessarily going outside of their way, but they know that they're not there to be a threat. So it's helpful to know that the actual law enforcement people, they can humanize themselves and engage people without having to take care of, you know, some of the business of the day, as it were. Once you've established that you can take care of that mini slice, because, you know, gate guards just public interaction training, all right, public speaking, saying hi and bye, not a tank, not a tank. You do that enough times, then you go up to security where you know that, hey, if anything goes awry, you need to put some more, uh, some, put some more brain cells to it. Like if you establish, if you work at a bank or you interact with a bank a couple of times, you would have to be accustomed to the fact that there are certain things that would become out of the norm. Like if you make a rapport with one of the tellers and you see that one of the tellers is a little bit down or something like that, you would be more sensitive to, sensitive to that and be able to helpfully and effectively engage that before it deteriorated. Or if you have like an irate customer or something like that at a bank, you know that you don't have to go jump in with, you know, the fear of God or anything like that, but you can interact with them on a level that is not as intimidating. So with those two things established, then you get into the L leave part where those in the military, we basically call them Lima units. All right. For law enforcement. And those are your residential and commercial areas where you have like robberies, alarm activations, domestic loud noise complaints, suspicious people. But you built that equity within the community because they saw you from the come up where you were just holding it down on like Boulevard X. And then you're you've seen more at like a hospital, you know, establishing rapport. And then you see them out in the effective community. Like I like to think that it is very, very jarring like in the military when you came through the ranks from the gate to the patrol it was actually kind of a moment where it's like well look at you go you finally made it off the gate and people were really proud of you because they saw your progression and they knew that it was a proud moment for you because unfortunately that's what most people get in law enforcement for all right people really like that ability to be able to affect change in a positive manner i'm not going to say that they're all just gun-toting idiots but some people i like to think enough people wanted to get in law enforcement to help people. And that culmination of actually getting a mobile unit is eventful for them. Like they've made a significant uh, leap in their career. And they already have the equity of establishing people, relationships with people at a junior, not junior enlisted, but a junior patrolman stage. All right, I'm going to get into the how this all structures up and that's where people are going to get mostly pissed off. But it is, it comes, it, Structurally makes sense. You're dealing with someone who is interacted with people without having a car or something like that, like just a walking patrol through a neighborhood, or you've had someone who's just not a Walmart greeter or anything like that, but they make rounds at, you know, the major malls or anything like that. Just say, hey, how you doing? I'm just here for just a walkthrough and everything. 
you come off as approachable and not like, oh, he must be looking for something. I can't tell you how many times, like while I was in the military, where just us going out there and just not even looking for anything, just spending an hour walking through the community, it took a while, but it becomes less bizarre the more frequent you do it. I'm not suggesting doing it every day because then the presence loses effect, but you want to make a presence that is like, okay, they're not here looking for anything nefarious, but they're establishing a presence that may deter anything, you know, shitty happening, for the lack of a better term. But if the LA units do that in residential and commercial areas, then it could be something that is seen as more of a benefit. It's like, you know, all right, well, if I have a question, I can ask them or anything, you know, a question or anything like that. That's how we did on the military installation. Quick caveat. It is not lost on me that the military installation had different rules. We had federal uh, jurisdiction. We had federal uh, land on that. But sometimes we would need the adjacent law enforcement communities to help out. Like we have like this local city that was next to us in the county help with some of our residents on base. So I'm not saying that, yeah, we have all these luxuries because we have a fence line and a determined boundary. But the shit, like, still we can interact with each other. It wasn't like we're one police department, we don't do shit for the other ones. Like, it was a community effort inside of the law enforcement area. And it worked. Like, it would never be, it wouldn't be too much of a pissy match. They obviously happened because we had some shitty people working in the military. Freak, sometimes there would be some pissing match about jurisdiction or something like that, but it was seldom, as far as I was operating it, it was seldom. It's like, okay, County X has the lead on this one. We're there for assistance. All right. There was one time there was a shooting outside of our base and we had individuals there because the road was closed leading up to that installation access point. And honestly, it was some dude who didn't want to stop for the construction that was happening on that roadway. And he drew through the barrier by set up by the civilian law enforcement agency. They didn't know what was going on. Pop, pop, pop. Everybody, like, the driver was shot and killed. And, like, we were basically there just to, as a auxiliary unit in the event that they needed us. But they kind of had it. All right? So some shit happens like that. So it works that you have that experience already, especially having multiple nuggets of experience. In that situation, it was crazy. Like, and one of the people that was working that gate just to make sure that was operating, he also eventually made flight chief. So... It helps to have that perspective at a early stage so you know what actually would affect those people at that time. All right. Once you get your LA unit and you get a couple of you know, some road time and everything like that, then you become an area supervisor. So now you're not just in charge of the, you know, couple of stores and everything in the locations that you have. I saw that they have a map of everything that's zoned off in my particular location, and that's good to see. I just wanted to see something else as far as, like, who dictates what command. And Uvalde, I'm going to now get into that, is the perfect example of why currently the lack of standardizations suck. All right. In Uvalde, you had someone who was at least assigned to rob elementary school. They had a resource officer assigned to that location. They were not present. And in any situation, Security Forces 101, I will take charge of my post to protect all personnel and property I'm responsible for until properly relieved. That would not happen if you had at least that core element in that SRO's identity. All right. You just don't leave a critical point where they cannot fend themselves. Maybe they were never assigned. We don't know because you've all he's been really shitty with the uh, points on this one. But right there is a core tenant of security forces. If you institute that nationally you do not have that situation okay i'm not going to sit here and say that everybody in the security forces always stayed on their post or anything like that that would be a lie 
But if you have that core tenant and at least have someone relieve him so that a vulnerability isn't exposed for anybody, I believe that is a better step forward than just whatever the fuck Uvalde and uh, Texas uh, public security are talking about now. So that is a key element. Your area supervisor, whoever's in charge of that little nugget of Uvalde, would have been able to relieve him. Maybe he had to take a piss. Maybe he had an emergency. Again, humans have human things. But whatever enabled him to leave that post, someone should have been there to replace that body. Because if anything were to happen, it was going to be bad. And case in point. All right. So the area supervisor would be un would be responsible for all those other sections the person who's locking down like in a banks or hospitals or schools or like a mall or something like that if they needed to dip out for whatever reason they would be able to do that area supervisor would funnel down he'd be accountable to the security and those ec or gate guard type of entry level uh posted patrols so he would have to cover down for that so that there's no there's no holes in the security and safety of the community all right from there, you have pretty much your core element. And I don't know how you establish that. I have my suggestions that I'll get into in a little bit. But once you establish that, then we have this, the, uh, the element that is a little different where I think it should be required that anybody who seeks higher position other than the area supervisor needs to take desk sergeant or dispatch training. It is, Im it is improbable that someone who does not know the area, cannot speak to it, has not executed any operations in that area, it is highly unlikely that they would make a good desk sergeant because they never had to respond to any of these calls that they're being sent to. And I believe that's a core element that I want to explore in a bit. A little bit of good news. I read an article um, involving education and most notably the last state I lived for like almost a decade in Utah. Um, so the article reads that States, many states, some including Utah, are offering a learning loss grant for kids who were affected by the uh, loss gap in learning due to the pandemic. And that actually has me kind of optimistic. Um, I caution to make sure that everybody understands that just throwing money at a problem doesn't make it work. But this is a good step. Um, this is reported by the 74th. Um, it's basically stating that a lot of states, like 13 states, have taken up some new initiatives to make up for some of the lost learning gap that occurred over the past two years. All right. They've uh, some of the states. Uh, Idaho is talking about a grant for parents for certain income levels. So it's not just a situation where it's like anybody can get it. Like the people who are in the most uh, disenfranchised communities can try to get a rebound like and they're trying to make that gap that was lost because let's be honest like online learning there were there wasn't any learning being conducted online most of the time there would be but lots of cameras off sometimes it's understandable because you can't run some of these uh, streaming services or not streaming services but you can't run some of these operating platforms like teams or zoom or anything with everybody operating on their camera the bandwidth couldn't take it so i get that however comma there'd be frequently where i would ask a question to a blank screen, assuming that someone's there and being shocked that no one responds to the question or me taking attendance or whatever the case may be. So yeah, online learning was tough because shit, I did it. Like during when I was in college, like we have a lecture and sometimes I'd have to make dinner at the same time. So I'd have my, I'd still be listening, but I'd put it on my phone and just like simultaneously doing that. 
All right, so I'm not even going to throw shade at the kids not paying attention because, again, online learning gives yourself opportunity to multitask. Um, sometimes you don't multitask. Sometimes they just have it on for show, and then they go off and play Xbox or PS5 or whatever the case may be. But they're trying to make it efforts like that. Idaho's putting in money. D.C. is uh, basically going away from online learning altogether. Um, states like Hawaii, um, they're struggling to hire special ed teachers. They might have found a fix. In this article, it reads, in an effort to recruit and retain special education teachers, they've increased special education teachers pay by a thousand dollars per year and that's pretty good i mean hawaii has a really really high cost of living so i hope that actually makes a dent but it's something that incentivizes them to take up that program that being said you just can't pay them more without taking care of them all right i'll get to that in a little bit but a couple more states you have connecticut they basically have early childhood education is getting a $150 million investment for the state. Colorado, they've got a pre-K bill that they signed, a universal pre-K bill they signed into law. So a lot of the states, I think in total is like 13 of them, they're, t they're trying to make some worthwhile investments in the children. And that is awesome. I mean, I'm not going to throw shade at that. Literally paying for the future is always a worthwhile investment. I only caution that if you're going to try to get the students to get on par you've got to take care of the teachers and speaking as one of them money ain't the only you know motivator in this i won't say motivator i already had a conversation about that but money isn't the only thing that you're chasing at this point it is very difficult teaching any level of student especially after these past couple of years like there's so many social emotional problems that are going on with them because they haven't had to grow up technically throughout the pandemic because they were at home and rightfully so like millions of people were dying but they lost all sorts of social skills and developmental hurdles erupted and then they're all thrust back into school and lo and behold you might have an adjustment phase so yeah, the students had it rough, but the teachers also had it in a, they're at a disadvantage as well. Like they would have to, like I remember last year I had to, I had a class of like 40 something kids online. There ain't no way in hell that all of them are listening to me, especially as a math teacher. So I'm not going to kid myself. Like you try to catch all the ones that you can try to get them incentivized. Like I had, strangely enough, my first year of teaching, I actually had a lot more parent teacher conferences because of online learning. So there was a benefit to that. But you can't just dump money at it because I'm letting you know now, like I got into teaching not to make a mint. I went in it to make a difference. And sometimes I feel like I do. and Sometimes I don't. And that's what is imperative. You can't have your employees, your administrators, your teachers, your specialists feeling like all they're doing this is for a paycheck for a system that will fail them or pass them on regardless when they haven't earned it. Like I'm sure there's stories abound about people who should not have walked across stage. I know some personally, I know teachers out there also know that situation. So don't just give us the money. The money is appreciated. I mean, uh, we love that. It makes it it gives us that sense of uh, accomplishment and, you know, you can survive and pay for your bills and shit. But you have to invest equally into the teachers. Hawaii has a good idea for the special ed program. And again, no shade there. But if you really want to get these kids to where you want them to be, you've got to invest into the schools, the structures, the administration, all that stuff. And you got to have people that want to do it because like in law enforcement, if you just incentivize the dollar sign, you're probably going to get some shit cops. So don't make it about, oh, well, you get more money. So why don't you go into teaching? If you got money hungry motherfuckers who are in this profession, we don't need that. All right. 
you can do day trading, you can work at a McJob or whatever. We don't want people who are out there chasing the bag, trying to fucking educate the future. No thank you on that department. So with all these states, again, great job, great initiatives, and I hope it continues. I hope this is an employ for the midterms, but make sure that you also take care of the teachers in a way that makes them feel complete. I'll tell you like this. At the end of the year for this past school year, um, I had a feeling that I haven't felt in a couple of years. It was my last deployment was in 2013, and I was I felt relieved that the school year was over because it was literally like I was getting out of a war zone. All right, I'm not going to try to conflate you know school teaching and the military, but that sense of relief felt really really familiar, and that really shouldn't happen. All right, there's nothing you can do about it. It's like high stress and chaos, and it's disgusting sometimes, but I had that same relief. We should not be made to feel that after a school year, it's like we survived something, all right? We should be able to enjoy it, and we did. But it shouldn't be this, like, breath of fresh air after being suffocated for 10 months. If that's the way the school and the administrators feel, I think you can look at the students and be like, okay, we can try to get you there, but you kind of got to work with us too. So don't make it about the money. Make it about their achievement. All right. Some students are probably going to fall off the rolls, but you want to make it so they have an opportunity to do better. And these states are making a really good effort in ex uh, extending that opportunity to the students. Just don't forget about the teachers and admin as well. So at my base, we worked on what was considered a consolidated law enforcement desk. Um, we had medical fire and we had law enforcement dispatch for all the responsibilities to include security because we had an airfield and everything like that. So our consolidated law enforcement de desk was pretty awesome. Um, the people who made it to the desk sergeant were not the dispatchers on the fire medical side. Those, those were the better dispatchers. I will never sit here and suggest that desk sergeants are better dispatchers than anyone else. In fact, a lot of the best calls were dispatched from them and they may not have operated any of that stuff, but those people know how to talk to people and they know how to get critical information. They go through a lot of training. They've done this for a while. So it eliminates just any Tom, Dick and Harry just walking up, taking the test and be like, I like to dispatch, please. No, you kind of have to have some equity, some training and some common sense in order to engage people in order to be actually a benefit in that position. So while I believe that every LE, every LE unit should be a desk sergeant, I understand that not every LE unit can be a dispatcher. And sometimes I don't want them to. Like an area supervisor has, at this point, they've amassed enough equity within their own ranks to be like, all right, they know how to talk to people, they know how to de-escalate and you know, use effective tactics to make sure that the situation gets resolved as safely and quickly as possible. They would make good candidates. I'm not suggesting that everyone become a desk sergeant. However, any desk sergeant, anyone who is willing to dispatch people, anybody who's willing to do that, they will not be able to make it to the flight sergeant or the deputy sheriff type of position in the civilian area. All right. If you do not know how to dispatch or de-escalate a situation, you do not get to progress any further than just an area supervisor because you can talk to the small people that you know within that community, which is great. Some people aren't built to talk to everyone and anyone calmly and effectively and positively. So let that be the crux where then we can get to weed out, you know, the people who are just happy to have a gun on their hip and just, you know, be all cops and chips and everything like that. And those who want to be leaders and actually want to help their community foster. 
All right. The dispatching thing that I saw um, is pretty much a test. And one thing that I disagree with is that they suggest that if you have law enforcement experience prior to taking the dispatcher test in the state, at least that you get a couple of breaks or something like that. I do not agree that shortcuts are effective when you're dealing with public safety. If you are trying to fulfill this new position, you have to it, you have to perform at the same standard, all right? I don't know the quality of dispatcher. I haven't had to call the dispatchers in this state, but I would like to think that civilian dispatchers are do an amazing job. I've worked with a lot of them, and they get jobs all over the world or all over the country. So I like to think that they do a good job, and they probably do a good job because they didn't cheat the system. I don't like the... I don't... Agree with that they should have things just waived because they had law enforcement experience. Who's to say that they weren't a shitty cop and they're just trying to find something that's law enforcement or public safety related that isn't in that field? I would suggest that they retool that because not every great cop, there are a lot of great cops that just would not make good desk sergeants in my experience. But once you make it after that, and then this is over the counting of years, like none of this stuff is instantaneous. You don't go from gate guard to area soup in a week, all right? There are anomalies to that, but I'll talk about those later. But you do not make it. You don't make those decisions. You have to put in work in order to get that responsibility. Because if you just gave it to anyone, which unfortunately some of these law enforcement agencies appear to be very, uh, very lax with their standards that they give a badge and a gun to, then problems will happen. But once you make it through that and you become a flight sergeant, which means that you are now an, a leader of a group, a collective, like a team. So that is where you have the expertise and the on-scene commander is generally the highest ranking individual and not too familiar with how civilian law enforcement rank up or anything like that. But I like to think that in order for an on-scene commander, they have to have some experience making those types of judgment calls. They can't just bide out time. They can't just be 20 years in the game, never had to deal with an actual crisis. And because they're the ranking individual on scene, they are the on-scene commander. And another thing that would help with that is not having the on-scene commander necessarily be the ranking individual. Maybe they are the most eloquent, but maybe they're not the most tactical. But there needs to be decisions made. Echoing back to Uvalde, it has just been realized that the person who was pretty much hiding in a closet for most of this fucking shitstorm um, was basically... He didn't know the full scope of the situation. I'm paraphrasing this, but he had made a comment maybe a couple days ago. Mind you, Uvalde was like weak and some change ago, but he made the statements like, like, I wasn't even really sure what was going on. Then at no point do you get the title of on-scene commander. You need to have that situational awareness. All right. You need that. Okay. You just can't make a gut shot determination when their literal lives on the line. All right. You You've got to be good with a decision because inaction is worse than the wrong action. And they chose inaction. All right. However fluid the situation might be, the lack of action is usually when the most tragedies happen, when the people who are put there to do something ain't doing shit. So make sure that your flight chief, like your on-scene commander, they can make a determination that saves lives. Again, maybe he just been in the game too long. Maybe he got a little aloof, human element and all that. But at this point, you've been in seven years interacting with people. You're going to have to make a judgment call. You can't just freeze on the site on on the unknown information. You have to make it known. All right. Controlled violence of action. Like if you knew the individuals on the other side of that door, you waiting on the other side of that door isn't going to stop anything from happening. It's just going to stop you guys from going forward. You can't be the only barrier to your own actions. So you have to do better in that department.
At that point, you've pretty much made it through my understanding of the duty positions. Again, this is just a framework. I'm not suggesting that everybody, I'm not suggesting that every law enforcement agency has to do this. Some people have major areas and major metropolises. Some people have more rural areas. This doesn't fit for everyone. But again, it's a structure in place that shows exactly who's making the call and what kind of training we should expect them to have at this point. You can say that you've got the active shooter training and the pencil whipping of that is too egregious for me to get into right now. But given this example, if you start off at the bottom, for lack of a better term, as dealing with small people, small area responsibility, but you get good with it, and then you expand successively until you make it to the top and you're actually in charge of an entire like unit, then you at least establish how to talk to people before you get put in a position to tell people what to do. And I feel like that is something that is very appropriate from the military in this very small instance that they do well in their law enforcement training. All right. They start you off small, give you a small little property and they say, own it, make it yours. All right. If it's a gate shack, make it yours. Make sure that nothing goes wrong here. And this is not to assume that everything's going to go perfect, but you have to grow some type of competence in your minimal area of responsibility before we ever give you a township to actually patrol. Because if you can't show that you can protect that little strip, why the actual fuck would we give you anything more than that you can show that you're competent in handling? All right. Through all of this, you have people who are trained at the bare bones minimum standard that exists and you have them ascend appropriately. So when they make it to the, the, the top of the totem pole, for lack of a better term, that you know exactly what they've had done, what they've accumulated in their experience. So the second guessing of decisions doesn't come off so egregious if we know what they've had to deal with. And again, like police boards and the civilian world are really bad about being really hush-hush or really piss-poor on disseminating information. Again, Uvalde took maybe four days to actually come out with a version of the truth that was digestible, and then they even had to go back on that. It's shit like that that should never happen in a community support function. If you're to serve the community, if you're there to serve the community, how are we expect to trust anything you say when it takes a week for you to tell us the basic truth of the situation? So what I proposed earlier is just more of a common sense approach on how you should structure the law enforcement agencies by a duty position. Like you start from the EC, then you become the big dog in charge. Makes most common sense. The stuff that people are going to get pissed off about or what's about, about, what I'm about to say now. You got to raise the minimum age of law enforcement. It is 19.4 years old is the average starting age of every law enforcement agent is the average across the country as far as we could start becoming a law enforcement agent. All right. Just being real. I'm not going to respect your authority when you have Similac on your breath. OK, I don't give a fuck what we're doing. All right. If you haven't had life experience and you apparently haven't had any training, who the fuck are you to tell me how I should be operating when you don't know how I'm supposed to be operating? You don't know how to operate. So let's just start with that. All right. The fact that you have people who have all of one and a half years outside of high school that gets tasked with you know, taking charge of situations, delicate situations where real men and women are going through some real shit. It's not a good look. That's not to suggest that no one under the age of 18 or under the age of 19 can perform this. There are anomalies to that. But 
it is more times than not you find someone who's a little bit more immature, especially now that we have this COVID year where there was a, a lot of people regressed in their development, especially in the high school ranks. I'm not willing to accept that version of a high schooler being one removed, one year removed out of high school and trusting them to make the best decisions, especially considering there's no standardization of training. All right. Without that, I don't think we can go any younger than 21 years old, because at least at that point, you have three years removed. You maybe had some life experience. You might even have a little college or maybe got a trade. You might have had some world experience that could help out with that. Imagine if you were going through like care.com or some shit like that and you were trying to find a babysitter for the weekend all right you and your missus or significant other they're going out you're going out on the town and you're looking for a babysitter and on one advertisement you have someone who may cost a little bit more but they have certification cpr trained they know how to take they've got aed life supporting agents and everything like that good to go and then you have someone else who may be a little cheaper but all their profile says I love babies. I love babies so much that all I want to do is take care of babies, but have none of the prerequisites. First off, it's kind of a red flag that you have that kind of affinity for children on this website. So neither here nor there. But wouldn't you want to lean towards the person who has documented, trained, and actual of rep, you know, reputation of actually performing this well? You can't get that from anyone who's just entering adulthood. All right. We, I say this all the time in my classes, like the, the biggest thing that's against most of the students that are coming into the real world is that they don't have any real life experience. And if we're putting people into a police department who don't have any real life experiences and shit, even until then, they don't really get anything to incentivize anything that they've accomplished until ages 23, 25 anyway. This is just studied and noted. Then why are we putting them in such a high stress task situation when the most stress they had up until that point was maybe the fucking SAT. So let's just think that that would be something that would be something to consider when we're promoting law enforcement and trying to get these jobs out there. All right. Another thing that I want to uh, talk about is the fact that fewer cops does not equal more crime. All right. The lack of law enforcement does not mean crime is more prevalent. It's a bastard really flawed logical fallacy that if you have fewer cops then there's going to be more crime first off cops are not there to move the statistics on crime cops unfortunately are mostly a reactionary force the bad thing already had to happen and then they respond to it all right the presence of cops has no mathematical correlation to that every study that i've seen has there's an inconclusive relationship to the abundance of cops and the less prevalence of crime and i know there's going to be someone from some affiliation wing that shows that in certain cities obviously more cops don't affect that much because well look you have major city x y and z and they defunded you know their police departments in this that, and the third and it showed to be a problem this is not necessarily true. What they're willing that what they're not telling you is that a lot of the problems in those situations are from neighboring cities. These are not naturally born situations. But I'm not going to get into that. I want to keep it specifically about that. There was actually a, a township, I think it was in Danbury, Connecticut, that actually did get rid of and we went scorched earth and replaced their de police department. They had found out there's been a whole bunch of shit. I hope I'm getting that. I think it's Danbury police. But they had scorched earth everything and got whole new police officers and did they prevent all crime obviously not this shit's in the, that shit will never happen but it showed a willingness to try something 
to basically reform whatever tragedies of the administration's past that they had to go nuclear option, scorch earth, and retry it. So let's assume that crime's going to be crime, but having competent people present, even wouldn't you rather have like five competent people or fucking a hundred idiots? Like that should not be a fucking brain beating question. If your people are more trained and more specialized to take care of these situations, I would rather 10 of those than 50 idiots just being real. You also get the added bonus of life experience. And that's what brings me to this uh, individual I was going to refer to before. Um, he was uh, a new security forces member, but we knew that he was built different. Um, his name is Jacob. I won't say his last name, but Jacob was his name. And this man was a grown-ass man joining the military. That's generally frowned upon because the military wants them young so they can reprogram them, break them down, and then build them to something be better. I don't know if that happened for this individual, but when he came to the actual Air Force, like his first duty station, he was a grown-ass man who was about his action. He had a wife and kids, and he had everything going for him. Hopefully nothing bad happened to him after this podcast because he was really a great example of how leadership doesn't need a rank. It's just like some people have that shit, all right? In his first two years, we made him straight-up death sergeant. Like, he just had that command and presence and had that calm, helpful, and positive attitude. Um, I got out before I found out the, the rest of his story and everything like that, but I worked with him. And this man was just someone who had some life experience. He knew what was important to him. He had his family, had his job, duty to the country, some order of that, I like to think. But this man had grown up, and then he decided to join the military. All right? So... I feel like the best people, like more of those Jacobs would have made every unit a benefit, all right? Not just having some fucking dude who just either not trying to go into college immediately or trying to get it paid for. They have some invested, they, they know who they are and they're not trying to figure it out in the military. Having people who've already figured out who they are would work in law enforcement instead of just goofing around like, well, I'll try being a police officer. That shouldn't be the people that you're recruiting in law enforcement, people who are just like, well, shit, rap didn't work or, you know, my dad's business didn't work. Well, let me try this. You want people who have something that's invested into that. It gets me to other points later. Something else that needs to happen along with civilian for civilian law enforcement is an external use of force review board. And I don't know if they have anything that I tried to find it on the Department of Justice uh, website. And the closest thing that I found remotely to that was like uh, like some type of community affairs or offices of community involvement department. And all that seemed to do is take care of like minor complaints and like they, they have a department in the Department of Justice. It kind of is like an oversight committee, but I never see them being flown out to Uvalde unless the Uvalde and Texas Department of Public Safety just shuns them. But yeah, I'd never see them in like those big issues. If there ever if there was an incident that ever happened on base, we would immediately get a call from our headquarters in San Antonio, Texas. Like if something reached the threshold of use of force, like either a taser discharge, firearm discharge, anything involving, you know, high valued assets and like possible damage and loss of life, we would get immediately an investigation. And not even to basically see who did what wrong. It's like what happened that went and led it to be handled poorly or properly. All right. It's an investigation for fact finding. It's not trying to burn anyone, even though everybody likes to sensationalize it. Like there was a situation where when I was in the training department, I had to speak 
to the use of force review board for an incident that happened on our base. And it wasn't trying to ding anyone. It was just trying to find out exactly what happened in that situation. All right. But for the civilian law enforcement, it has to be federally led by the DOJ. All right. And paid for by the precinct in question. All right. So it doesn't come on the taxpayers dollars because cops aren't going broke being cops. They need to pay for that in the event they have a situation where it rises to the threshold where it needs to be federally investigated. All right. If federally amended, if federally mandated, you don't get the bullshit that you have Uvalde doing stonewalling the investigation. And that doesn't brood any public confidence. At the very least, you need to instill confidence in the people that you're immediately serving. If you can't do that, then you should go scorch earth, Danbury, Connecticut style, and just revamp the whole fucking unit. Additionally, you need a community review board, a group of civilians that is basically there that you are held accountable to. All right. You're not cops to protect yourselves. All right. That's what the second chance vests are for. That's what all that training is for. You're there to protect the people. They're not the ones who are supposed to be tasked with taking all this shit up. You are because you guys have the money. You guys have the training. You guys have the procedures. You guys have the backing. All right. Does the public need to know your TTPs, tool taxes, procedures? Do they need to know all the how the sausage is made? Absolutely not. But there should be a community that gets answers in a timely manner that ain't bullshit like the Uvalde. All right. Getting the runaround for two weeks at this point and then just stonewalling the federal government is the best example of why this needs to happen. Because there's no telling what other departments can operate like this, but they just don't because they haven't been put on blast because they've had a tragic after they haven't had a tragic mass shooting in their community. But there's no telling what other department would do the same fucking thing if it happened to them. All right. The public deserves something better than we're conducting an internal investigation or we don't have anything to comment on at this time. Because, as I mentioned before, there's families that have been affected by loss of life. And when the people who are trusted to protect them do not give any semblance of an answer, that's where it's a foul. And that's where we need to figure out we got to do something better. All right. We can table the gun debate for a moment and let's get to the people since apparently the anime object is something that cannot be changed let's see if we can change how these people operate under their qualified immunity all right another thing that we can try is make it volunteer all right this is not say they do it for free all right but like in the military again similar to the military not militarized but something that makes it um more ingrained that they're not here for a paycheck they're there for public safety is if it were volunteer now there's the whole diatribe like well if they're applying for the job then everything is volunteer because they're volunteering their services it's not exactly the case in the military you go through i won't say brainwashing but you get you get deconstructed to your core element and then you're brought back into the image of what they want you to reflect all right in this instance, you need to take these 19 to 4.4 year olds and break them down because they still have illusions of grandeur from high school. It was only a year ago for some of these motherfuckers. All right. You need to deconstruct who they think they are, what they think this is, and build them to be something that is emblematic of what a law enforcement agent is supposed to be. All right. Someone who is self uh, selfless, excuse me, someone who is selfless, calm, positive, and helpful. I say this a lot because this that question, that answer is given on every one of my testings that I took while I was in the military. Like what is the key element of security forces? And it wasn't, you know, shoot 
shoot guns, drive sexy cars, or any of that bullshit. It was like, stay calm, helpful, and positive. All right? If you are dealt with a crisis situation and you can't convey at least those three elements, you're in the wrong business. And if you have people who are volunteering to serve the community, they need to get the core element down that this is not just for a paycheck. This is not just to get, you know, a fancy car. Like, something that I'm realizing that is something really problematic is how they incentivize over enforcement. All right. And this is something that we got wrong in the military. I would be on shift. I think it was on mids at the point. And I would give incentives like days off, extra riding patrols or whatever the case may be for whoever can generate the most tickets during the shift. I'm not the only one who's done that. I just want to say that I was part of the problem during that little stint. Over enforcement doesn't really help anything. All right. If it's a known prevalent issue, like if there's some like if there's a known crime or something like that, I can see how it's a little bit. Done. But the fact that we incentivize over policing gets us in some deep water. There was just a video I was watching the other day where it had came to found out. Um, I think it was in Denver. It was in Colorado. There was a department in Colorado who had an officer that pulled over a lot of people for DUIs. It had been come to it had been revealed that a lot of his DUIs were not DUIs and unfortunately some of the people who would be pulled over felt compelled to comply with the officer because he was a police officer the video I was watching was someone who was completely sober and he just complied because the law enforcement officer threatened to pull his like license if he didn't submit to a breathalyzer or if he refused to draw blood all of these things are not how law enforcement, lawful law enforcement is supposed to go down. And now he's suing the department because he had been doing this. So the, that cop's a piece of shit. And over-incentivizing it kind of makes that monster happen where you're kind of looking for shit to go wrong. So you're making shit up to get yourself credit for. Like there'll be times where in a lawful traffic stop that you would discover some elements that would be not true. And that's not to suggest you don't never, you never pull anyone over, but not every site, not every traffic stop needs to end in a citation. All right. There is some wiggle room. There is some offer to just officer discretion with that. But when you have the higher ups and I was guilty of this as well, that incentivize over policing, then you're going to have these guys make up these monsters. I'm not going to say it's all the time, but let's stop promoting it. Like that is the main reason that you want to do this. Like on the website for one of my local law enforcement departments, it is, it was suggested as a bonus that you get to ride home in a patrol car. So you get your own little car, they get to drive in and you really don't have to use gas because it's the state or city or local PDs, uh, vehicle. So let's stop incentivizing that because it makes it really attractive to the wrong people that just kind of enjoy that shit. So I suggest all this, not knowing if it's actually happening. I would like to think that maybe there's some states that may be doing this, but there's no way to know. All I know is that there's a wide variance of what the standard law enforcement officer has to, has to do, actually has to do in order to perform law enforcement uh, duties. And I don't think it's great that 74% of the states don't have any standards of training. And I feel it would be beneficial to all the citizens of this nation if we just got started with that basic premise. That the fact that there is no standardization across any of the 50 states may be a problem and how policing gets conducted in this country. So, I've been dunking on cops the entire episode, and rightfully so. The, the shit ones. Not all cops are 
what I'm referring to when I talk about this, but the ones in the intro, they deserve to get called out and all that shit because they're making it bad. Um, they just have to do better. And some states have actually started to do that. Um, I just found out that my old stopping grounds of Virginia, they've joined 20 other states by danning t ticket quotas for traffic cops. So that's actually pretty helpful because you don't want to be seen as the person that you only see when you're getting pulled over for a citation. All right. So they're basically banning the uh, mandatory quotas that they had. 20 other states have also done that. Arkansas, California, Connecticut, Florida, Illinois, Iowa, Louisiana, Montana, Michigan, Minnesota, Missouri, Nebraska, New Jersey, New York, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Wisconsin have all passed legislation passed legislation saying that that's not a move anymore. And I remember being in the military contributing to that because I would incentivize uh, earn free days or EFDs to make sure that, you know, hey, like, let's get these tickets up, you know, make sure that they're good. Sometimes the tickets would need sick anyway, because unfortunately, some of our cops were just shit at writing tickets and they were bad at paperwork. I mean, they'd be able to talk to someone, they'd be able to do the job and the tactical shit couldn't do paperwork to save their life. It's what it's. But just showing that they're trying to move away from the more enforcement part of the law enforcement and trying to be more of that community policing element that speaks volumes it makes it a lot easier for those great cops that are really good at interpersonals and who might not be the door kicking badasses they want some of their peers believe themselves to be it puts them in a position to show out in a more positive fashion you know engaging the community not showing up on their worst day so i applaud the states that have uh, done that and the article I pulled up is from goodnewsnetwork.org. It speaks about ending over-policing, all right? I spoke about this. Like, you don't get less crime with more cops, all right? It, the math doesn't math that way, all right? There's no correlation to that. But it puts, it puts more of an emphasis on that, you know, we're here to make sure that you're safe. We're not here to catch you doing something wrong. It's a much a much more healthy dynamic to know that your law enforcement is out to serve and protect you rather than bust your balls or potentially shoot you. All right. So it makes more sense to do that. Another thing that this does, it basically shows that there needs more standardization. Again, only 20 of these states out of the 50 do this. So for the states that weren't mentioned, like, what the hell? Like, how do you think that's helping? All right. I get it. The revenue goes back into the community and everything, but at the same time, like, if you're not hurting for money, we all know police unions do not hurt for money, all right? So let's try to make a better decision with that. Because once you start banning the quotas, you then have to evaluate the officers or something different. Again, I know I used to do this. That's why I'm speaking so intelligently on it, because I know it was such a terrible idea when I instituted it when I was, you know, in charge of a shift. It was just a shit move. I don't know if it still goes on. I've been out for a couple of years, but at least people are realizing that just because you pull people over doesn't make you a great cop. Like, shit, there was that uh, cop in, I forget, I think it was uh, Colorado, who would incentivize pulling people over as well for DUIs. Come to find out that a lot of the people that he pulled over weren't actually drunk. There was a video that I watched about this, and that man only complied with the police officer because he was a police officer. All right? He threatened to pull his license, revoke his license if he didn't submit to a breathalyzer or the uh, 
blood draw and all sorts of shit. And unfortunately, there are a lot of cops out there like that. But when you take away those quotas, like you have to get this many DUIs, you have to get this many traffic tickets, that puts the onus on the officer to have another criteria to show that they're worth a damn. And I think that helps in the long run, because if you only had a guy who was good at catching people in their worst moments, then you forget about the cop that, you know, just doesn't allow those worst moments to get poorer. All right. So if you have individuals like that who are still putting out quotas, just respectfully decline that. Know that your job is not to basically rack up a high score in tickets during the shift. All right. Make it about serving the community. I would I would encourage anybody in charge of a law enforcement to if you want a quota that you want to instill for your forces, make it about like community contacts. How many people can you engage with in a shift that aren't threatened by you, who are willing to talk to you? I find that you'll find it a lot more difficult than you would want to believe because you guys have a rap and it's not great. You're reputation proceeds itself as the people who are there to be judge, jury, and executioner rather than a calm, helpful, and positive entity. So I encourage any police department, instead of just make it all about the tickets, the quota, the money, make it about how many people do you talk to, all right? And not in like a diabolical way or anything like that. You're not pulling them over. You're just doing a walk around, just like, hey, stop it through the store. Like, I know you guys visit like gas stations and shit like that, but Make it something more pleasant. Hell, you don't need higher-ups to say this. You can make it amongst one of your shift mates, like how many people that you can contact. And please, because I feel like it can get that way, do not make it about picking up numbers or anything crazy like that because I can see this idea going bad really quickly. But if you at least make an effort to incentivize a different type of behavior, maybe you'll get a different force as a result. Do you remember when the cops arrested the CNN reporter for reporting the news in Minnesota during the uh, George Floyd protests? Or do you remember, you probably don't, but in uh, Ogden, Chicago, police did the same thing outside of a hospital. The hospital had called in saying that there were disturbances inside the hospital. There was a news crew outside of it that got detained for reporting the news and uh, they weren't charged or anything like that. But old buddy at old head cop, black guy, was just power tripping hard and decided to detain the reporter and, like, the producer on site. Do you remember when the Capitol Police straight bodied a man with a shield? Like, dude was crouched over on, like, on top of, like, a cement spot as they were clearing a path for the former president's photo op. Like, moved his camera, body-checked him with a shield, crumpled him, and just kept on just destroying everything in his path. Like, that man was a menace. If you don't remember that, then that's why this conversation is so important, all right? The fact that those are the ones that you might have forgotten puts into perspective what's going on that we haven't seen. Those are all televised events, and we don't encounter this too much in, I don't remember encountering it too much in the military. And where we were at, we did, like, air shows and shit. We would invite a million people onto this installation, but they knew that the shit wasn't a game once you reached that threshold. And maybe because we had the luxury of having the federal installation laws and everything like that, we didn't operate it autonomously. Told you, we had, you know, concurrent jurisdiction with a lot of our neighboring departments. But I want to say overall, 
in this very minor situation, as far as duty positions are concerned, the military got it right. They set up a structure for where the new recruits aren't taking care of dire situations until they're ready and they're more properly trained, or let's say until they have any training. Again, the, the military police, we go through what? fucking three months of this shit which is more than what i can say for most of america but we go through something before we actually get on the all the training that we have like we go through basic training which is two months then there's the military aspect which is additional three months and even before that before your duty position certified that might even take a couple months to a year so before you're put in a position where you actually have to decide you know life or death situations or you know crisis engagements you have at least a year of actual training and re repetitive training and reinforcement to make sure that you know exactly what you're doing because when it comes to national security that shit matters it should matter just as much to the civilian police because no you don't have nuke codes or anything like that but you deal with people you're dealing with children families and the like we're doing the same thing there so how is there such a dichotomy and i can tell you is because most of our governing principles are federally mandated and there are significant consequences for us to if we fuck that up all right again they kind of got it right i'm not going to give them carte blanche is like oh military nailed it there's a lot of things wrong most of it is the people compart uh people compartment of it but i'm not saying becoming a civilian police officer should be impossible like we can't just raise it to like the oldest of us we shouldn't make it impossible but we should make it imperative the people who enter that field need to know that this job is not a paycheck you are sacrificing yourself in some situations for the betterment of the community and if you're like those 19 officers in uvalde who put their lives of more significance than the children just stay out of the fucking career field we do not need you people in that field like dead ass like i get it you get scared you never know how you're going to react to a situation until that situation happens upon you but if you're one of those 19 people i'm sorry but we can do without that so let's make it more accountable. We need to make this something that has teeth and that people just can't become a cop and just be like, well, I'm a cop now. I got a car. I can pull people over. That's awesome. They need to be federally and locally held accountable to their representative, like their, the people that are served to protect, as well as the federal Department of Justice. There makes, it makes no sense to have this whole department focused on law and order and legal system and not have any fucking clue how any of your law enforcement officers are being trained. It just sounds bizarre when you say it out loud. I'll end all this by saying this. While I am confident that there is some sensible structure put in place by most local law enforcement, we don't know that. And that's a problem. The lack of transparency with someone that is that public as a law enforcement agent is a problem. If you can't see exactly how that particular part of the sausage is made in your society, I like to think that's a foul. And it doesn't mean that you have to open the doors and have walkarounds or anything like that. In fact, when I was researching this, they do have a civilian council of people that are like that in one of my localities. That's great. And that goes a long way into minimizing, you know, it enforces the community involvement in policing, the community, community orienting policing, as they call it. It helps to know that you're not being duplicitous. You're not being secretive. You're not taking five days to figure out, all right, what are we going to say to these people for our flagrant fuck up? If you have that level of transparency and who's this? I'm a, willing to bet that at least 74 percent of the country probably hasn't even thought of that concept 
I like to think it could only do better for those people involved. Ultimately, we're just trying to get rid of those fucking bad apples that everybody likes to throw under the bus. Like, oh, just a couple of bad apples that makes it bad for everyone. Why is that a bad thing? Why would you want to keep the bad apples? Like, the worst that will happen is that 86% of the law enforcement community, they keep doing their fucking job and being amazing at it. Like, we understand that these are more outliers than they are the actual feature. Unfortunately, you are in a position where you cannot allow for that many outliers. All right? If you guys are a brotherhood, then you need to get with your brother or sister and basically be like, that shit ain't cool. Cops that arrested people in Minnesota. They should have had to be talking to. That happened a couple years ago down in, uh, I want to say Miami. Like some cop was just getting real belligerent with a group of people that were coming out. And he was about to do something stupid. And then a black lady cop on the same department dressed it right then and there. I'm sure you've seen it on Facebook. But it was like, no, we don't do that. And she briefed and chewed his ass right there on the spot. That needs to be the other factor of this. You can't just have a bunch of good cops that don't say shit because that's complicit. All right. You have to have those good cops actually kill those types of behaviors, the toxic behaviors that make law enforcement so fucking difficult, like where everything's going to get scrutinized. Rightfully so. But make sure that it gets corrected on the spot. On the spot correction goes a long way than just trying to huddle up with your boys and be like, all right, what do we do from here? That can't happen anymore. Things are way too important, way too visible for you to basically take your time or just stonewall the Department of Justice, Uvalde. You need to be forthright because once you find once you lose a little confidence in your community then it all goes to shit they're not going to call you for anything and they're going to want action right now they're just asking questions and right now they're getting to the point where they're going to demand answers so if you're part of that 86 percent that don't have these interactions where like you're actually a respected figure in your community that people come to you for help and they don't feel apprehensive and they trust you and everything like that if you're one of those cops when are you going to get pissed off about this when are you going to get pissed off that they are right in their critiques of you they're right to scrutinize you because even if you are not part of the problem the systemic problem that is just like well cops are going to do whatever they feel or they can try to do whatever they can get away with if you're complicit in that they get pissed off enough to be like, yeah, we are not above reproach. I see the chiefs do it all the time, but it needs to be from the ground up. This effort will not work if it's from the top down because people are just going to lose interest in shit like that. This needs to be something that is within that brotherhood. That's the only way that anything tangible that can fix this will last. All right. So get pissed off. Feel take some personal ownership of this, not protectioning. Don't get defensive, but own your career all right hopefully it's a career to you and not just a paycheck like feel that you are part of something better that needs to be better for the betterment of your community before i roll out i want to make sure everybody is good healthy safe and secure and i want to talk a little bit on my special project that i'm going to be making through lineage and i hope it's going to be a documentary or docu-series not really sure where i'm landing on it but it's going to be on mass shootings um in my law enforcement career in the military, I got a lot of exposure. I was part of um, a lot of organizations. I was an instructor on active shooter uh, incident response. And I'm just fascinated at this point because it's a combination of just gun lust and training and just like perceptions of public safety and the necessities that need to happen with that. So I'm going to be developing this during the summer while still producing content. Definitely, because I really like getting this stuff out there. 
put on the back burner. I plan on producing a documentary, probably going to put it on YouTube or something like that. But I really hope that it works really well. Hell, I might even get it on Amazon. I actually have a couple other avenues that I want to explore with that. But uh, I plan on having it done over the summer because, unfortunately, the only time a school shooting can't happen is during summer break. Fucked up to say, but it's just the truth of the matter. So I want to make sure that I get all my ducks in a row for this one and make sure I produce the most quality content. It'll be video. Um, there'll be a little bit of video. I'll try to get some guests. We'll try to get all that stuff taken care of. But this is a passion project of mine. It's not a great subject matter, but I know that as a subject matter expert in this field that I feel very comfortable talking about this, even though it was a very uncomfortable discussion within our culture. But I want to make sure that I put my best effort out there and I really want to hit this hard, and I want to knock it out of the park. So stay tuned on that. Also, I got the music element to it. Um, I'm going to be working on a couple projects here and there. Your boy's going to stay busy. So the main uh, flagship will be the ZFG Podcast. Thanks for listening. Please like and subscribe. Leave a line. And uh, make sure that you guys stay safe. Um, stay tuned for more. I'm your boy Dash. Hope everybody has a good week. <laughs>